0: You're listening to Tech Tank, a bi weekly podcast from the Brookings Institution exploring the most consequential technology issues of our time. From racial bias and algorithms to the future of work, Tech Tank takes big ideas and makes them accessible. Thanks for joining our Brickings Tech Tank podcast. I'm Darrell West, Senior Fellow in the Center for Technology Innovation at the Brickings Institution. With the 2024 elections around the corner, political tensions are running high and there are concerns about how the campaign will turn out. Polarization is quite high and each party faces a number of challenges. One topic that is generating considerable concern is generative AI. That tool uses advances in AI to develop pictures, videos, text responses, software, and other things. The Republican National Committee recently used generative AI to manufacture an ad attacking Joe Biden and saying his re-election would usher in a dystopian future for the United States. Many wonder how AI will affect the 2024 elections and views about the candidates. To discuss these issues, I'm pleased to be joined by Sarah Binder, a JD candidate at the University of Michigan Law School. Sarah has written about how AI alters election administration, and we will discuss how AI could transform the upcoming elections. Sarah, welcome to our Brookings Tech Tank podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here.
0: So a couple of weeks ago, I published a piece entitled How AI Will Transform the 2024 Elections. In that article, I argued that generative AI democratizes the election by bringing sophisticated AI technology to the ordinary person. Through prompts and templates, people can generate fake videos, press releases, news stories, or false narratives. These things will increase response times, enable very precise micro-targeting of campaign messages, and possibly increase disinformation. And since there is no required disclosure or guardrails in place, there's the potential that AI could distort the election and nudge voters in one direction or another. And if you want additional details on that article, you can read it on the Brookings website at brookings.edu. Sarah, I'd like to get your views on AI and the election. And I know you've written a paper for the University of Michigan Law Review entitled Algorithmic Elections. How do you see AI being used in the upcoming elections?
1: Yeah, so in addition to the the kind of uses that you just mentioned. So, with regards to content creation for advertisements um, and and also disinformation campaigns, um, my research is focused on its use in election administration. So, looking less at how these technologies are being deployed on the campaign side, so before the you know voter actual actually casts their ballot, and um, looking uh, kind of at how election officials are actually. Starting to deploy algorithmic technologies and AI to make their jobs easier as they, you know, run elections themselves and, um, you know, process ballots um, and uh, verify them. Um, so there's a few different uses in which algorithmic technologies are already being leveraged by these public officials. In addition to again, kind of the men- uses that you mentioned, where we have political actors. Um, potentially, you know, foreign or domestic bad actors, leveraging these technologies. Um, again, kind of on the the front end, the campaign side, um, we again have also these public officials who are, you know, trying to make their jobs easier, more efficient, um, and are beginning to use algorithmic technologies to do that. But you know, there, there's some concerns with those uses too, though they do seem um, a bit more innocuous in, in certain ways.
0: So it does seem like there could be positive use cases of AI in election administration, and uh, you uh, outlined uh, some of them, but but of course, we also worry about nefarious uh, uses. And in your paper, you had uh, several interesting points about potential problems in terms of purging voter records and uh, verifying mail-in ballots. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about how they're being used in those areas and what are the worries that you have about AI in those areas?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. So. As you mentioned, the voter roll um, maintenance is one way in which algorithmic technologies are beginning to be used. Um, voter roll maintenance, so that's, again, just the process of keeping voter rolls up to date. States are required by federal law to do this. Um, they need to both um, you know, add new voters to the list, uh, newly registered voters, and also remove um, individuals who are no longer eligible to vote. This is a pretty cumbersome task, Um, so it's no surprise that um, it's been automated. And and the automation of this process is not entirely new. However, um, algorithms are increasingly being deployed to kind of overcome some common barriers that come up with the automation of of voter roll maintenance. Um, So there are name matching algorithms, um, which are used to kind of decipher when Um, an individual on um, two different databases, um, they may be listed differently or they may have the same name and um, algorithms are used to kind of determine whether or not the individuals listed on two different databases are the same person or not. So for example, um, an individual on the voter roll list may be listed as John X. Smith and then on um, the the death notice database Um, he may be listed as John X. M. Smith. And so algorithms have been used to kind of determine is that the same person. Um, Similarly, um, with regards to um, interstate cross checks, So when an individual moves to a different state, um, states are responsible for kind of coordinating with one another and sharing information about those moves and those individuals' Um, And so um, algorithmic technologies have also been used to kind of facilitate interstate um, the sharing of information about individuals moving across state lines. Um, So, you know, this is hugely helpful. These technologies, again, these are very cumbersome processes, um, but there's reason to think that these algorithms um, can be biased. So name matching algorithms, for example, um, there's at least one study that shows that uh, these technologies are less accurate for individuals with names um, of kind of a, a Asian names. Um, and similarly, the interstate cross-checking technologies that are currently being leveraged. Um, there's some reason to think that these um, also have kind of the, the inaccuracies that they have are disp- disproportionately affect um, minority voters. Um, and, you know, the consequences of this aren't minor when, when someone's flagged, um, when someone's flagged as uh, removed from the voter rolls, um, they, they're they often not able to cast a ballot on Election Day. So it, it can have a pretty severe effect on voters.
0: I think those are all very important issues. And I know in other areas we worry a lot about uh, questions of bias in terms of education, uh, employment, uh, uh, verification, uh, housing uh, related issues, and healthcare. There have been a number of studies uh, uh, identifying uh, problems in each of those areas. So I guess we shouldn't be too surprised that there are biases popping up in some of these election applications as well. And I know one of the general concerns that you have expressed in your uh, paper is the possible disenfranchising of eligible voters. And I'm just wondering how AI could possibly make that problem worse, how that takes place and how the AI is being used in uh, those types of areas.
1: Um, so, uh, you know, it's a good point because some of these challenges with voter purges um, and and some of the other, you know, kind of issues that I, I highlighted in my um, paper, these aren't new problems, so to speak. Voter purges, um, you know, the analog versions of them, they've long had inaccuracies that disproportionately affect minority voters. Um, and these processes, you know, have also been weaponized in the past, even without these technologies. But when we start to incorporate AI, um, you know, there's a few different concerns that come up with that. The The first is just kind of the scale of it. So, you know, a, a voter purge that perhaps was smaller scale, um, very inaccurate. It, it may have had a smaller scope. Um, these, you know, automation, the automated uh, technologies um, could be used for a much larger number of voters. And so as a result, we might see um, some of these inaccuracies or biases, or even potential misuses of these technologies, having a much larger effect on, um, you know, kind of having a a larger scale um, consequences. Um, And then I think the other the other piece with it as well is just kind of the lack of transparency that is inherent with these technologies. So, um, we, you know, it's, it can be very difficult to discern when these types of inaccuracies or biases are occurring, and even when someone perhaps is deploying these technologies in bad faith and using them um, to suppress um, certain individuals' votes. Um, so I think that that's a new element that comes with um, AI. Um, and then I think an, another really significant piece with regards to, you know, again, these kinds of biases is that our existing um, uh, legal framework that we are, we use to address, you know, discrimination in housing, employment and voting, um, they're not necessarily suited for the types of discrimination and biases that AI, um, you know, might exercise in these situations. So it's not clear exactly what the recourse for voters would be if they, you know, their vote was suppressed because of AI, um, and because an AI, you know, was incorporating certain biases or um, and discriminating, so to speak, against certain voters.
0: So we also are seeing AI being used in drawing district lines uh, and people worry about how that could affect the redistricting process. And we know that gerrymandering is a huge problem in many states already. Uh, Do you think that AI could make some of those problems even worse than what they are right now?
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, redistricting is an interesting use case with AI. There have actually been a number of political scientists and experts who have, you know, worked to develop AIs with the goal of actually um, kind of rectifying Partisan gerrymandering. Um, you know, individuals have developed AIs that they, you know, have that have been suggested as you know a way to kind of create a baseline of what a fair map would look like. Um, uh, in my opinion, unfortunately, um, courts have kind of the the Supreme Court has moved away um, from this direction and instead has really scaled back, um, at the very least, the kind of federal framework for addressing partisan gerrymandering. Um, And at the same time, we're seeing, um, you know, AI and kind of advanced analytics increasingly being used to draw these maps themselves. So now we have, um, you know, kind of, I think, some potentially harmful uses of AI rather than the potentially possible positive use cases that um, have also kind of been proffered by other folks. Um, So, you know, these technologies really just make partisan you know, gerrymanders more and more sophisticated. We have these massive voter data files available. Um, And again, these sophisticated technologies, which um, can pick up on new patterns and, you know, just create highly individualized maps that, um, you know, very precisely forecast you know, and and insulate um, certain parties um, or, you know, certain candidates in upcoming elections. So I think it's really troubling. Um, And, you know, I think some of of the same concerns here exist with regards to political campaigns and political advertising, that same kind of sophisticated targeting um, that, you know, allows for these maps to be drawn um, and, and really effectively insulate parties um, through gerrymanders also, um, you know, allow for, um, you know, targeted campaign ads that are going to, you know, persuade people as effectively as possible. Uh, So I I think it's troubling on both fronts, certainly. And I think, um, you know, the the trends that we're seeing in, um, you know, our legal doctrine around gerrymandering um, make it all the more concerning.
0: So you mentioned these very large voter data. Bases that uh, states have to uh, hold. And I'm just wondering about the risk of hacking and cyber intrusions into those uh, databases and just kind of this more general problem of election security in general. We know there are a lot of voter concerns about uh, security uh, questions. What are the problems that you worry the most about with these databases, particularly in terms of the risk of hacking?
1: um i mean absolutely so new technology i think certainly means there's new opportunities for hacking and cyber interference um one one kind of interesting piece with regards to us elections is we have a very decentralized election system and that has some some interesting implications across the board um when it comes to new election technologies so you know, There's a, an incredible kind of diversity in, in how elections are run, including how new technologies are leveraged, like the, the ones that I've mentioned, and also how exactly they are, are used. Um, this decentralization, I think some experts have pointed to this as being perhaps a kind of a gift when it comes to election security. It, it makes it a lot harder to conduct large-scale cyber attacks. Um, But I think AI, you know, when it's leveraged by cyber hackers, um, it it could allow them to more effectively overcome that obstacle. Um, So I'm hopeful, you know, hopefully some of our our defenses scale with the threat that come with AI. Um, But the opacity of um, AI's reasoning that I mentioned earlier, I think it could potentially make it hard to know when a cyber attack has occurred or some type of interference um, with the AI's reasoning has, um, you know, manifested, um, and then again, there's kind of the the less sophisticated form of election interference and the less um, kind of sophisticated form of election security concern, which is just that you know the humans that are using these AIs and deploying their outcomes um, to make decisions about elections, um, these human actors can misuse these technologies as well. So the the public officials who are making decisions based on AI, um, many of them in the United States are political actors and they are have intense political pressures. And again, the lack of transparency around these technologies, I think, can make it very difficult to tell um, when perhaps these technologies are being misused. And again, when, when there might be a, a cyber attack or some type of interference as well.
0: So I'm wondering if AI can also be part of the solution, particularly in terms of hacking and cyber intrusions, because it is possible for people who are safeguarding uh, large databases can use AI to look at outside attacks, kind of monitor the data analytics, uh, kind of spot Possible cyber intrusions, and I'm wondering if there are election administrators around the country that are starting to use AI to help protect their databases.
1: That's a that's an interesting question. I I have not come across that, but I I you know I would expect certainly that that would be an excellent use case for AI and one that election administrators are very interested in. Um, so it's not something that I've come across. Um, in my research, but I, again, would be hopeful and certainly expect that as we see the threat um, of hacking increase with AI, that we would be working to, again, scale our defenses with the very same technologies.
0: So the other big worry that people have about the upcoming election is just the possible increase via generative AI in disinformation. Of course, we've seen a lot of that in recent elections and uh, the Russians kind of taught everybody how to do it in 2016, and 2020 seemed to be uh, worse than 2016. And my concern that I express in the paper that I wrote is 2024 actually could be a lot worse than even what we've seen in these other elections. So how could AI further disinformation and how do you see AI affecting both content creation and the dissemination of disinformation?
1: It's certainly a a huge concern. Um, I, again, it's a little bit beyond the scope of my paper, but it's something I've been kind of thinking a lot about recently, um, including I was at just at a conference last week um, on this topic. And I think, you know, it's, it's really difficult to kind of grapple with this issue. Um, So as you mentioned, I think, you know, the, the, the content creation piece, again, some of the same um, aspects that I mentioned with regards to the redistricting AI technology could allow for, again, just very persuasive, targeted um, disinformation to be created. And again, kind of targeted at a very individual level um, so that, you know. They're, they're hitting voters um the most vulnerable the the voters who are most vulnerable to this type of disinformation with the type of content that will be the most persuasive based on whatever their voter profile is you know with like deep fakes and and kind of manipulated videos and images um I, th- I think it'll be very hard to kind of deal with that the first time and 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 know when that's occurring and, and kind of effectively dispel um, the types of kind of misinformation that that can lead to. Um, so I, you know, and then again, there's just the greater volume of disinformation. So it just allowing, um, the AI can also just make the, you know, the number of, um, misleading tweets so much larger than it would be otherwise. So on all of those fronts, I think, um, disinformation is a huge, huge threat. Um, and, in addition, again, to kind of the, the good faith and uses of AI that I, I note in my paper, I think these bad faith uses are are of huge concern. And I com- completely agree with the, your conclusions there.
0: No, I think those are all uh, great points that you uh, make. And certainly at Brookings, we are very worried about the possible increase in disinformation, just the ease with which someone could make fake videos. They're gonna look completely authentic to voters. It's gonna be very difficult for people to distinguish the real from the fake. And the recent Republican National Committee uh, attack ad against uh, Biden just shows, you know, how easy it is to manufacture uh, those kind of images and create this narrative of a dystopian future. And uh, that certainly is gonna be a, a big part of the campaign. Absolutely. So we've outlined a number of possible problems in terms of AI in the upcoming elections. But I also want to spend some time just talking about possible remedies, like are there things that we can do? So I know your main focus is on the election administration side. What do you think we can do to protect our elections from some of the things that you've written about and some of the worries that you have?
1: Well, you know, I think the first is just that there needs to be some oversight and guidance. Um, there's very little that's out there right now on how to leverage the different technologies that are being used. Um, so, for example, signature matching AI, these are used um, to kind of verify signatures with when on that are on mail-in ballots. And... Um, uh, they've they've been immensely helpful to many jurisdictions as they grapple with the increased volume in um, mail-in ballots uh, that you know has come during and uh, during the COVID pandemic. Um, but the the way that these technologies are being used, it just it varies greatly from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And um, jurisdictions are getting very little guidance um, from the federal government or even local local state governments about how to deploy these technologies um, in a responsible way. Um, so you know there needs to be guidance. There needs to be oversight, and I think a really key piece of that is the oversight. It shouldn't just be about. It can't just be on the front end. It can't just be looking at. Is this and is this AI designed well? Was it designed with good intentions? Um, it, you know, the verification on the front end is important and, and can address some of the potential design flaws that can lead to algorithmic biases. Um, But as I've noted, um, these technologies can be misused and the way that they're deployed um, by various jurisdictions has a really significant effect on how accurate they are and on their effects on our democratic processes and and voting rights. So... um, the oversight, what oversight systems that we create, both at ideally at the federal level, but also as, you know, the kind of more local oversight that jurisdictions um, adopt as they um, kind of start to use these technologies, um, it needs to be ongoing. And it it needs to kind of take into account the fact that even responsibly designed and accurate AI, um, it can be misused both unintentionally, you know, individuals um, it might just be looking for additional shortcuts and ways to kind of make processes more effective. Um, but they can also be, you know, misused by bad actors. So just as, you know, voter purges in the past have been, you know, deliberately targeted, um, to certain voting groups and used to suppress, um, minority voters, um, these technologies can also be misused and it's going to take, um, some you know ongoing attention to how these technologies are being deployed in order to ensure that that's not happening. Um, and again, doing that is going to require us to kind of it's it's different than perhaps in the housing or employment space um, because here you know the people who are using these technologies again they are they're political actors often, and they're going to have kind of unique pressures and incentives that. We really need to be thinking about as we um, kind of build out these regulatory frameworks.
0: I think you're right. Uh, Right now, we have a wild west with very few rules in place, very few uh, guardrails designed to uh, protect uh, voters, and that certainly creates a lot of issues as we move into uh, the election. In the uh, paper uh, that we published on the Brookings uh, website a couple weeks ago, how AI will transform the 2024 elections, we called for a possible increase in disclosure of the use of generative AI it seems to me that we can take that regime of disclosure that already exists in the campaign area and apply it to generative AI as it is being deployed in the campaign area so I'm just curious your reaction to that suggestion
1: yes um, I I I think that that could be a very useful first step, and you know, I actually I think I may have just seen that there was a bill introduced in the House of Representatives that I had it think had a similar aim, and you know, I've I've I think that that again could be a very use, useful first step, but particularly as we kind of all start to grapple with um, you know a world in which generative AI is more widely available. Um, and and really kind of think through, um, you know, how we want to tackle all of the different challenges that that come with that. One concern I have, um, you know, I, I think, I, I think it's important that we don't stop there. Because I, I think one concern I have in this space is, um, you know, putting too much of the burden of this on voters. Um, you know, I think that's a, a common theme in our um, voting rights doctrine is, um, you know, we, we continue to put a kind of set very high expectations on voters to overcome all of the different obstacles that, you know, may, you know, to, to casting a ballot. And I think um, it, it's going to be very difficult, I think, even for folks who are grappling with these technologies and thinking about them day in and day out, it's, it's difficult to kind of really think through all the different implications of what it means for something to have been created with generative AI, and I think we need to, you know, I think disclosure is is a great first step, um, but we should also be, I think, taking on a stronger, uh, you know, kind of making some um, decisions and and doing some, um, uh, or, and by we I mean kind of policymakers and and the government ideally. But um, I I worry about. Um, expecting voters to really know what to do with that information. And, and um, it'll, I think, be difficult for many voters to really um, know how to make sense of the fact that an ad was created with AI um, and, and be able to discern what, whether that means that there's a greater risk of misinformation or of the fact that they were targeted on, on the basis of a particular characteristic. Um, so I, I, I agree that I think mandatory disclosure is a, is a great first step and one that aligns with, um, you know, our campaign finance framework. Um, but I, I hope that we can, um, you know, in the future kind of find ways to um, do, do some of the heavy lif- lifting and allow the government to really kind of take a stronger role in um, regulating how these are used as well.
0: I agree with you that we need to go beyond disclosure so let me give you a couple of other uh, ideas so uh, another uh, suggestion that we have made is licensing requirements for AI applications that are affecting millions of people so you know not the small scale ones uh, probably not open source ones as well uh, proprietary AI that is affecting large numbers of people be you know we require licenses to operate cars uh, to hunt uh, to fish, uh, to own guns, uh, AI has a transformative impact on a lot of different areas. It seems to me that it's reasonable to think about licensing requirements there. The other idea is third party audits of the impact of AI. Like you mentioned that when uh, people were purging databases, there's a possible uh, disproportionate impact on Asian Americans as well as on minority voters and that they are more likely to be purged or the name matching software is more likely to be inaccurate uh, in those areas. Uh, We suggest third party audits so that we actually compile data on the impact of these AI tools on voters in general, as well as on particular communities uh, within the electorate. So I'm just curious your thoughts on licensing requirements and third-party audits.
1: Yeah, I think those are are wonderful proposals and would be a great complement to these disclosure requirements. Again, particularly as we just kind of, again, kind of figure out how to um, navigate this new world. Um, so, I, I would certainly agree that those would be wonderful, um, wonderful next steps. Um, and. The, you know, with a third-party audit, I, I think there's some interesting questions that come up with regards to, you know, intellectual property. I think that's another um, intellectual property law is another area that you know is it poses. I think I know in, in many domains, for example, AI and medicine, um, there there are some real um, disincentives to the type of transparency that I think is really necessary, and that those audits could facilitate. Um, so. That coupled with those proposals, you know, kind of taking a look at those incentives and um, really ensuring that um, the, re- the right people can can take a look at those um, at, at the source code. And also, again, the kind of back end effects, I think that that's really key um, to ensuring that, you know, these these tools are helping more than they're hurting.
0: And the last idea that I will throw out to help remedy some of these problems is training programs for state and local election administrators, because you mentioned that uh, these uh, uh, people are starting to use uh, AI. In many cases, my worry is they may not have detailed technical knowledge about AI, either in terms of how it operates or the possible problems that could come from that. And so it seems to me that in the lead up to the 2024 election, we need to really enhance the training program so that people understand how to use these tools for positive uh, purposes, while also minimizing some of the negative ramifications.
1: Definitely. I I think in many cases, you know, we may not even, you know, these election officials may not even realize that, um, you know, some of the tools that they're using um, are are algorithmic technologies or or involve some form of AI. and Certainly, I think most folks don't recognize, um, you know, the potential biases and inaccuracies. We, we kind of assume that computers are more objective than we are, more accurate than we are. Um, and, you know, ho- hopefully in the future, there, there are, um, you know, tools that help overcome, you know, human error and uh, the consequences it has in, in voting, in the voting space. Um, but as it stands, there are, there are a number of inaccuracies and in, in the human biases um, that you know kind of infect these election processes are have infected these technologies and um, I think educating folks about about these risks and empowering them to you know kind of escalate concerns that they have about the accuracy of these technologies and um, to kind of override um, some of the algorithmic decision making that might be happening um, that's important and and it's you know certainly, Uh, is a a very important part of um, beginning to use these technologies.
0: Well, Sarah, I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today. You've had lots of uh, great points. And again, for our listeners, Sarah has written a paper for the University of Michigan Law Review entitled Algorithmic Elections, uh, which I recommend. And at Brookings, uh, we have been writing about AI and the elections. You can read our work, How AI Will Transform the 2024 Elections. We write regularly about digital technology, and you can find more information at our Brookings Tech Tank blog located at brookings.edu so thank you very much for tuning in
1: thank you for having me
0: thank you for listening to tech tank a series of roundtable discussions and interviews with technology experts and policymakers for more conversations like this subscribe to the podcast and sign up to receive the tech tank newsletter for more research and analysis from the Center for Technology Innovation at Brookings.